Good morning, everybody, and welcome to Driving Theology. This is Mike in the morning when he's running late and <laughs> low on gas. And so, hopefully, on a wing and a prayer, I will make it to my destination. I don't have time to get gas on the way. That is. That is just how I roll for whatever reason. Can't seem to change it. If I think I can just barely do something, then by golly, I'm just gonna barely do something. Whether it's pride or just the love of challenge or the love of the thrill of living on the edge, or I have no idea what it is. But uh yeah. I, uh, more often than not, well, I'd say almost every, yeah, unless I'm out on the highway on a long road trip, my tank, every time, I fill it up and I take it all the way to empty. Fill it up, take it all, all the way till the gas light comes on, and then I know how long I've got, more or less, once the gas light comes on. So this is going to be funny if I run out of gas in the middle of the recording <laughs> and uh, get in trouble for not making my appointment with my students. This is, this is bad to do. I don't recommend anybody live their life this way. <laughs> no way to live. Um, but I'm sure there's something in that about my personality. Maybe I'm ever the optimist. I am fairly optimistic. Which is an optimistic staying statement in and of itself. <laughs> um, but yeah. Oh, I just realized I've got some chairs rattling around the back that may be making some background noise more than usual. I should have taken those out last night. Uh... So anyway, I had an interesting day yesterday. Um, started out at the cafe. I had a, a lot of uh, coffee to roast, and I probably had my biggest single roasting day as far as volume, or at least number of roasts yesterday. I think I roasted right around 10, 10 to 12 roasts in a day, which is a lot for me. Like a normal roaster, probably not a, not very much, but for our small cafe and our small business, that's a lot of roasting. Um, so yeah, did, did that. Um, yesterday, so I went in around, probably got there right just after 9, started roasting by 9.30, and then roasted... Um, you know, a couple variety of coffees. I think I did at least five, five, I can't remember, five or six roasts before I had to go to the doctor. So last week uh, I went to the doctor and had some uh, x-rays and uh, uh, on different aches and, you know, parts of my body that are aching and hurting and been hurting for a while. Um, found out that I'm 
losing some cartilage, cartilage in my knee, my specifically my left knee, and also my left big toe. Uh, but I asked him to do an MRI on my shoulder. <clears throat> um, and it's funny, the doctor didn't really believe there's anything wrong with my shoulder. He could see that I had full range of motion. Uh, and, and so he was like, really? I think you're probably all right. It's like, no, there's something wrong in there. You know, I, I want an MRI. I've gotten x-rays before. They didn't show anything, but I know there's something wrong. <laughs> So that's not, that's what I was thinking. That's not exactly what I said, but I insisted on getting the MRI anyway. So I went in yesterday for my very first MRI. I'd never had one before. And uh, that was interesting. A couple years ago, doing some work under my house, I found out that I am claustrophobic. Um, I don't like to be laying down in really, really tight spaces. And there was some work I wanted to do under my house that I just couldn't do it, so I had to call a friend to come help me. And uh, he was just fine with all of it, but man, for me, it was just too close, you know, laying on your back and then seeing a very low floor right on your face pretty much was too much for me. So I, I wasn't able to do the work I really wanted to do down there. It was just too, I don't know, too weird. I felt like the whole house was on my chest kind of thing. Well, I wasn't really thinking about, because I'd never had an MRI, I wasn't thinking about, you know, claustrophobia might, might come back a little bit. So when I started going in this thing and realized just how small the hole was and how tight you are in there, it was pretty daunting. Uh, I knew, you know, people had warned me about the sound, but I didn't realize just how small the hole was you had to be shoved in and I'm I'm kind of a stocky guy and so they're they're, they're doing an MRI on my right shoulder but my left hand has got to be over uh, draped over my stomach holding this uh, emergency beeper like if, I, if it's too too much I can push the button and they'll you know pull me out or whatever so <clears throat> But when they, you know, so there's a lot of prep before you get in there to get all the angles right and, you know, tell you don't move and, you know, it's going to take like 30 minutes. I couldn't believe it was a 30 minute scan. So they shoved me in there and man, my, my left shoulder was on the wall. Like I, it was pressing into my body and then my arm on top of me made it even harder for me to breathe while I was in there. And that doesn't help with, you know, if you start feeling claustrophobic, you get shortness of breath, right? And so that doesn't really help that situation at all. <laughs> so anyway, it was, it was pretty, pretty weird. Um, I uh, did feel claustrophobic in the beginning and especially the ceiling is maybe five or six inches from your face. Um, but the air was, you know, moved through it, it didn't feel uh, really bad. Like, a, you know, it didn't feel overly hot or stuffy or anything like that. Um, the air seemed fairly fresh through there. And so, but the sounds were really, really disturbing, very non-musical. Um, 
beeps and, and buzzers and, and, and they were rhythmic, but uh, nothing, nothing that I really um, wanted to hear. And they were a little bit loud. You have some ear protection, but it's just not much. Um, so anyway... Uh, I started counting back. I decided I was going to count back. And what I didn't want to do is get to zero before they were done. So I started at 10,000. And I never realized how counting, counting from a higher, the, the higher the number you count from, the longer it takes to say each digit. I never thought about that. Like, so if you're counting from 10,000, you're like, all right, 9,999, 9,998. And remembering the digits, right? Each time, 9,997, 9,996 was actually really hard, right? Uh, and it took a lot of concentration to get it. And with all these sounds, and the sounds are not consistent. They change, right? There's a little silence every once in a while, and the sound comes back, and it's super loud and like like a pounding and banging and, you know, uh, all, all kinds of sounds. So... <clears throat> Anyway, to make a long story short, uh, I really focused on that counting backwards, and um, I was able to relax somewhat during it, and I made it all the way through the scan without having to, you know, uh, ask to get out of there from being too uh, claustrophobic, uh, and uh, I only counted basically uh, down to maybe 9,000. So I only counted backwards a thousand. Um, but it was really hard keeping a concentration through all these changing whistles with the four digits that you have to keep reading, right? Or keep remembering and remember the order and, and remember the reverse order. But it did make the scan go a lot faster. It felt more like 10 minutes instead of 30. Um, did not feel like 30 minutes. But, to make a long story short, I was right about my shoulder. I have a torn rotator cuff. And for whatever reason, uh, it, it's been torn for probably four years at least. For whatever reason, it hasn't completely hindered my mobility. Like, I can still move. I don't know why. But it has receded back um, several centimeters. Um, maybe it, you know, repaired itself, sort of, I don't know, but I think I'm going to have surgery. I, I want to get it taken care of, and maybe while they're in there, I'll, I'll have them uh, take care of my uh, separated shoulder. I have a separated shoulder, and a, uh, as well as a torn rotator cuff. So, anyway, that's why I've been having so many shoulder, shoulder aches and ailments. Uh, but then after that, I was able to go back and roast more, so I did another five or six roasts after that, uh, and then came home, taught a class, uh, and then cleaned my office, rearranged my office, and even uh, got a uh, episode on Netflix of uh, Better Call Saul, and only one episode. <laughs> I was able to do just one, which is kind of crazy. So anyway, it was a really good day yesterday. I felt. <clears throat> vindicated knowing that I had indeed uh, hurt my shoulder pretty bad and that, you know, I wasn't just being a wimp about it. Well, maybe a little bit. <clears throat> um, 
But knowing what's wrong goes a long way to alleviating um, worry, right? Knowing, knowing what is going on, right? Getting a good diagnosis of what's causing you pain or discomfort or loss of function or whatever um, goes a long way to you know you realizing that now you can begin to you know to to fix it if you don't know what's wrong right uh, you don't know how to fix it uh, and the best thing you know the, the best things it seems like that we were able to do is just work on the symptoms uh, and you know dulling the pain which is a good thing I like I, you know I like it when I take good medicine that helps the pain go away but that does nothing to solve the problem right the thing that's causing the pain so getting a good diagnosis of a problem uh, can take you toward resolvement of the problem right um, oh, I say that as my knee starts hurting from the position I was in I probably should have taken a this morning but I didn't anyway um, so yeah I, I wonder what what are the applications of this um, spiritually what are the spiritual applications of this this uh, principle that a good diagnosis helps you go toward a solution of a problem not just a um, managing of the problem. A lot of times we talk about managing pain, uh, especially when we're old or we have something uh, that's inoperable, uh, some kind of cancer or something. We talk about pain management. But I'm really not interested in that in my my knee and shoulder. I'd really rather have a solution, you know, if it's if it's fixable. Let's fix it, you know. Um, so I think I'm going to go towards surgery on my shoulder. I'm going to explore that a little bit more. See, the doctor told me I'd take I'd have to be a week in the hospital, which seems ridiculous to me. Uh, in the states, this kind of surgery is like outpatient outpatient surgery. Right, you're out in and out the same day. It's a orthro orthroscopy, right? Orthroscopic surgery, where they don't open the whole, they don't splay the whole shoulder open. They just go in through holes uh, and uh, use bolts and sutures and things like this um, so anyway yeah I'm gonna explore that and try to find a good time when I can do that because I'm gonna need uh, you know I probably won't be able to, to drive for a couple of weeks at least uh, or I shouldn't drive I probably will but I shouldn't um, and uh, yeah, I think I'll be heading toward that. Anyway, back to the spiritual applications. One of the words for Jesus is the, the great physician, or doctor, the great physician. Um, <clears throat> and unfortunately, a lot of uh, medical professionals uh, are not healers so much anymore uh, as they are... Um, relievers and and I think there, there's a place for for relief um, 
but sometimes it seems like the medical profession exists to keep us sick enough that we always need their help and therefore will always be paying them uh, for this, that, and the other, uh, keeping them in business. Well, not even keeping them in business, keeping them, you know, in their Mercedes or in their mansion or you know, in Barbados for the weekend. Um, it's what it seems like. Uh, the medical profession, uh, in many ways, a lot like the the uh, religion, uh, religious professionals, uh, have lost their luster, right? Their their place of purity in society, uh, because too many professionals have abused their powers, uh, and this abuse becomes a very big um, scandal, right? When this happens. I think teachers uh, would be in there as well, um, and then law enforcement. You know, these these four jobs, um, uh, preachers or pastors, let's say pastors, um, physicians, law enforcement, uh, and uh, teachers are very important jobs in society. I suppose you could throw politicians in there as the worst case of these. Um, we all agree that these are all needed uh, in order to have a certain kind of an ordered society. Um, not Well, we don't agree on all of them, but many people agree on all of them, let's say that. Some people would say that religion should be... Oops, I just smacked my mic. Uh, some people would say that religion should be uh, dropped right that that uh, there is no God for example therefore you know blah 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 anyway um, I'm one of those people in a sense I'm pretty anti-religion uh, but that doesn't mean that that I'm anti Jesus or anti-church um, just the opposite I'm drinking a crappy cup of coffee by the way we ran out of good coffee. I didn't have time to go roast any good coffee. And so Tomoko picked up a bag of just off-the-shelf beans. And, uh, uh, yeah, not too great. Burned. Uh, pretty much burned coffee. <laughs> put it lightly. <laughs> to put it lightly. See what I did? Put it darkly. Um, but... When these professions all are working well, uh, honestly, efficiently, um, but honestly, uh, and hopefully with with um, pure motives, uh, then I think we'll, we'll find a society that that is doing well, right? And all of these things are working well together. But. Uh, it seems to be that all of these professions, starting with politicians and ending with teachers, perhaps, uh, have gained a horrible reputation in, in, as of late uh, for uh, corruption uh, and ineptitude and, and, and you know incompetence. And in, in some instances, pure evil. Right? That they are not uh, doing their job of uh, 
protecting and serving and teaching uh, the community like they should. <clears throat> now one thing that all of these professions have in common is that they are human professions, right? They're human run. Uh, of course there's going to be corruption when humans are involved, right? In a broken world, uh, broken people break things, <laughs> uh, sometimes at least. So I don't think that's really the issue so much. Uh, but let's go back to the idea of diagnosing a problem. All, all, of these, all of these people are problem solvers, right? Physicians, pastors, uh, teachers and law enforcement, right? They're all in the, in, the, uh, in the profession of solving problems for the good of people. Uh, so let's, the, the pastor is meant to be, I would say, the spiritual physician. He's a spiritual doctor. Uh, when, when we are broken spiritually, a pastor is a person who can come in and and help you diagnose, hopefully come in and help you diagnose the problem. Uh, now, religion, the word relig, uh, religion is to, to it comes from the word re, again, and ligament, to connect. So religion is meant to be a force of reconnection between God and man. And so a pastor... Uh, the, the problem that people have is a disconnect with God, right? And a pastor is, the, is a, a spiritual physician who comes in and helps you reconnect with God, right? When you're disconnected, he comes in and, and helps you reconnect, right? But diagnosing the specific reason why you are disconnected from God or feel, I don't, I don't believe anybody's ever disconnected from God anymore, but why you may feel disconnected <clears throat> is something that a pastor can come in and do. Uh, and I don't mean a pastor in the sense of a person with a title and a degree and a salary. Uh, somebody who, who does pastoral work is someone who uh, can come alongside and, and with, the, with the intimacy of a friend and perhaps the authority of a father or mother figure can come in and, and help you um, ascertain what, what the problem is, right? What's going on in your life? What is getting in the way? What is blocking you from feeling connected to God, for example? But a good diagnosis goes a long ways to alleviating any were in your life, even without having fixed it, right? Um, and it's just that knowledge is knowledge is power. It's good to know stuff, which is where teachers come in, right? And a pastor is also a teacher in many ways. A doctor is a teacher too. You know, he teaches you about your own body and, and about what what your problem is and things like this. Um, but yeah, so. Jesus being the good physician, he comes in and and he he lets us know what the problem is. Why why is why does God 
why does man feel disconnected from God? Now the problem with religion is, a lot of times, it wants to say that, yes, all men are disconnected from God. Men are disconnected from God, therefore you need us. Uh, you need to keep paying us and keep respecting us and keep obeying us so that we, the people who know, uh, can can reconnect you to God and therefore uh, when you are connected to God you will uh, be able to have eternal life right this this becomes a power trip sorry I'm gonna have to spray my nose I have some allergies pollen season here otherwise known as hell on the wind um, uh, sorry about sniffling yeah, so uh, God, Jesus comes in to diagnose uh, the reason that we feel disconnected from him. Uh, and basically, I believe his answer is a profoundly simple one. And I think we feel disconnected from God because, Jesus says, we don't know him. We don't know who God is. We don't understand who he is. We don't know his character traits. Uh, we are confused about how he is in the world and how he, uh, how he behaves toward the world, how he has always behaved toward the world. We are confused. We have not had good information. So, Jesus' answer is, Know me. Know who I am. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. This will solve your problem. Because knowing the Father, you will know that he is not disconnected from you and will never disconnect it from you and has never disconnected from you. That from his standpoint, the connect has never been a problem. The problem has been our vision, right? Our understanding of Jesus has caused us to see a disconnect where there never was one. And so salvation comes when you realize that you are saved, that you have always been saved, that despite what happens in this life, Jesus is for you and has provided for you and is taking care of you uh, and will always do so. And that from the, from the standpoint of God, connection is absolute. <clears throat> And I think Paul was getting at this when he, you know, talks about Christ being the all-in-all, all, right? Uh, or where he talks about, in him we live and have our being. In him we live and breathe and have our very being, right? These are ways for him to realize that, you know, if we are in, for us to realize that if we are in Christ, uh, then how could we ever be disconnected if we're inside of him? We are in him. All of creation is in him. And so, Jesus, as the great physician, comes and says, 
The problem is your understanding, your vision. You don't know who I am, therefore you don't realize how much I love you, and you don't realize that you have always been connected with me, and you have always been safe in me. And that's really good news, right? I mean, could there be any better news than that? Could there be any better news than you're good? You are good. I've got you. Right? Jesus says, I've got your back. You're good. I have taken care of everything. I am with you. I am God with you. I am Emmanuel. God with you. God beside you. Not only that, I'm God all around you. I'm God before you. I'm God behind you. And I'm God in you. I've got you. There's nowhere that you can go. If you go all the way to the heavens, we'll find him. If we go all the way to Sheol, he'll be there. As far as the east is from the west. Right? There is no place you can go to where you will be disconnected from God. He created us. Right? And so the great physician says, Know me. Know me. This is who I am. God is me. If you understand who I am, Jesus is saying to his disciples, then you know who God is. <laughs> This is really great news, right? This is this is this is gospel. Right? That's gospel. The great physician diagnoses the problem and says, "Hey, your problem is that there is no problem. You just don't know there is no problem." And therefore you keep reacting negatively to this idea that you have to somehow do something to be connected to me. So we think the problem is us, right? We're, we're, we are fixated on getting our actions right, our behavior right, our, our dogma, our doctrines right. Uh, we're fixated on getting all of that right so that we might be saved, right? And our rituals, you know, baptism or uh, you know, communion or whatever, we're focused on getting all of that right so that we can be assured of salvation. All along, Jesus says, that's not the problem. You don't have to do all that. I've got you. I've always had you. And it's taken mankind from Eden, the Garden of Eden, all the way to the Garden of Gethsemane to understand that. That's been the journey of mankind. And that's the journey of mankind everywhere. True religion is knowing that you don't need to be reconnected. You may need to, you need to, may need to feel as if you've been reconnected. You don't have to be reconnected. You are in 
Christ. It's a hard pill to swallow for some people. Because that takes away the power of religious institutions. If they don't have the power to make people feel that they need the church in order to find salvation, uh, then they have lost their grip on society and their, their, their whole livelihood can be gone because it's all based on them having the keys to the kingdom. But the keys to the kingdom are not contained by professionals. They're con they, they are in the possession of people who know who Christ truly is. The keys of the kingdom are knowing Jesus. Now, it's not an easy thing to know Jesus necessarily because we live again in a broken world and we, we uh, have been put into broken systems and have been at the mercy of broken systems our entire lives. So how do we get to know Christ? How do we truly get to know Christ? And the ways that Jesus says, take up your cross, deny yourself, and follow me. Just follow me. Live, live as I live. Love who I love. In this process, you will get to know me better. Okay, follow me. Be my disciple. And that's hard. It's very hard. It's hard for me to do. Uh, I think it's hard for a lot of people to do. How do you follow Christ? How do you, you know, what does that look like? And we all still are going to have a foot in this world and its systems somehow. Even it seems Jesus paid taxes, but he didn't let that system be the dominant system. He allowed um, sorry I was thinking about something else <clears throat> he he allowed that system to go on right not trying to physically topple it but trying to offer dump truck veered toward me. Call it a dumb truck instead of a dumb truck. Dumb truck. So, <laughs> so uh, yeah, the system, um, he didn't try to physically topple it, and he didn't advocate violence against it. What he wanted was for people to embrace another way of being in the world, his way of being in the world, his way of love and nonviolence. He wanted to become our dominant way of being in the world. Um, 
and and that's that's how he mm, yeah, I don't know how I say it exactly but but he he also lived in these two worlds and he didn't see that as a problem right um, but you can't confuse the systems of this world with with Christ's way right the kingdom of God is opposed to the kingdoms of this world the empires of this world the governments of this world are never going to be in line with the kingdom of Christ when they are they cease to exist and only the kingdom remains uh, and and I know that's going to happen one day I hope for that I pray for that one day the governments of the world will cease to exist and Christ will be our our government government so Jesus the great physician diagnoses the problem and that should be a great relief to everyone because his diagnosis is there is no problem the problem is in your mind it's in your misconceptions it's in your lack of knowledge, uh, but it does not exist. We are hypochondriacs in that, in that way. So I got to run to work. I did get here in time, but thanks for listening. Uh, have a great day. Bye.